When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zoop. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Jim Harbaugh has a new contract with the Wolverines, and it comes with a raise, but that's not the biggest takeaway in the new deal. Plus, spring practices will get underway next week, and men's hoops picked up a pivotal road victory over Iowa on Thursday. All on today's episode. Aaron, good to be with you on this Friday, more, late morning, early afternoon. A lot to talk about for a, a mid-February podcast. Um, I think the biggest news is Jim Harbaugh is now under contract through the 2026 season. Give us the details and and the biggest thing that uh, that stood out to you in that contract. Yeah, he got his new deal. I think it, this had been kind of bandied about and speculated about over the last month. You know that he was not only was he you know entertaining NFL offers, but the assumption was if he did come back to Michigan, and obviously he has, he would get a new contract out of this. Obviously, yeah, he wasn't going to be coaching under his salary from last year after making the playoff. I mean, this was definitely a, a given. Yeah, I mean, and it's you know rightfully so. I mean, he you know he had his best year yet at Michigan, uh, won a Big Ten championship, took him to the playoff. He probably deserved to get you know a good chunk of his money back, and he did. Signed a new rework. Like Michigan called it a rework contract. It's essentially a one year extension from his deal he signed last year with some you know changes in in pay. You know, so he's now under contract through 2026. Uh, last year, the, the deal he signed last January, he was under contract in 2025. But the real story here is the, kind of the, mo- the monetary things, you know, his base salary and his, his pay every year. Um, base salary changed a little bit. He's, you know, for, I don't get too technical here, but Jim Harbaugh's base salary from the University of Michigan is only $655,000 a year, where the additional money comes in and you hear those high figures of his pay, you know, four, five, six million dollars. It's in the additional compensation. It's the amount he's paid for doing TV interviews and radio interviews and doing public relations and promotional stuff and personal appearances, basically goodwill for the university. Uh, that uh, it was uh, amended and, and made higher in this new deal. He's going to make uh, more than $6 million per year off of that additional compensation. So when you uh, you know add his base salary and the additional comp, he's going to make north of $7 million per year for the next five years. Now that, it's good, that, rate, that, that amount is going to change a little bit every year. It, it is going up. Uh, so by the end of this thing, you know, in year five, assuming he's still here at Michigan coaching, uh, he's going to be making close to seven and a half million dollars per year. That's basically in the neighborhood of what he was making, you know, toward the end of his first deal he signed here at Michigan, that long seven year contract he signed when he first got here. You know, that lucrative deal everyone liked to talk about. And he kind of, you know, had his pay cut, you know, from, from the deal he signed last January. 
And that's kind of on par with Ryan Day and um, James Franklin. Is that correct? Yeah, a little bit higher, actually. Yeah, Day was last I checked, and I know Ohio State and Ryan Day are currently, I think, discussing some type of contract, you know, extension or renegotiating. And James Franklin did sign, I think, a, a seven-year, seventy million dollar, or excuse me, a, a ten-year, seventy million dollar deal. So that's seven million dollars a year. So this puts Jim, as of right now, as we record this on February eighteenth, twenty twenty-two, a little bit above both of those guys. The only Big Ten coach that he falls below is is Mel Tucker at Michigan State, who, as we all know, is making that $10 million per year. Now, the one Big Ten coach we don't have data on is Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. I guess he could be making close to $7 million a year. We don't really know because Northwestern is a private institution. They don't have to disclose those numbers, and they are sitting a lot of money. Um, But as of right now, for the public data we have, Jim Harbaugh, I believe, is the second highest paid uh, coach in the Big Ten. That, that Mel Tucker number still just astonishes me, but I mean, I guess if he can get it, why not? Why not go through with it? And um, good for him on, uh, on capitalizing on that, that monsters or great season that they had this year. Um, but yeah, back to Harbaugh. Um, I know he said when he announced that he was returning to Michigan, that he's done exploring NFL options. He, he's here at Michigan. But when you look at the buyout number, it, it might suggest otherwise. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, that, a lot has been made of that the last, you know, couple of days, even going back a few weeks ago when, when there were, you know, there were reports and speculation about, you know, if he signed a new deal, what the buyout would look like on Michigan's end, or, or excuse me, on Jim Harbaugh's end. Because look, the reality of the situation is Jim could have left this year for the NFL and his buyout was only about $2 million a year. So say the Vikings wanted to hire him, um, you know, and make him their head coach you know, either the Vikings or Jim would have had to pay to would have had to pay a $2 million buyout. Now the counter argument to that, if you're signing, if you're Michigan and you're signing Jim Harbaugh to a new deal, maybe you up that significantly to make it a little bit more difficult for an NFL team to come in and pluck it. Now that's not to say they wouldn't. I mean, NFL teams are flush with money. They all print money and they all have, you know, exuberant amounts of money and they're owned by millionaires <laughs> and billionaires. But the, the, the working assumption was maybe they'd up that a little bit higher than they, than, than it was. And Michigan has, you know, the, his, his buyout has been raised, you know, at least in year one to $3 million, but that drops as the years go on, you know, $3 million this year, $2.2 million next year, $1.5 million in the third year, $750,000. So I guess you get the point that the buyout was raised slightly, not a ton. Uh, so it, it certainly opens a door for in another NFL team to come in and potentially hire Jim Harbaugh, whether it's this year or next year, whatever the case may be. Now, Jim has, has said he's done looking and, and, and you can take him you know, at his word and, and believe him, but that doesn't mean, you know, if and when another an NFL team comes knocking, say next year, this time next year, you know, say Michigan has a really good year and Jim Harbaugh's take comes up again. I mean, the teams are going to certainly, you know, maybe initiate, initiate a little bit more. So I don't think it, it it certainly leaves the door open, as you mentioned, for Jim leaving the NFL. I, I don't think the door is ever going to be shut there just because of, you know, he, he's, he, and he acknowledged it this week. He still wants to win a Super Bowl. He got that taste, at, you know, back in San Francisco, didn't win it, but came close. So that desire is still there. So the, the buyout doesn't certainly doesn't really help Michigan's position, but you, you can make the case that probably you, you can make, you, you could have risen it to, you know, you know, raise it to five, six, seven, eight million dollars, whatever you want to do. And, and if an NFL team wanted to hire Jim Harbaugh bad enough, they would probably pay it. All right. And, and and as you know, I mean, a lot of things Jim Harbaugh says is kind of like meh to me. It's like, oh, great. But like, I actually, I actually appreciate his, his bluntness when he went on, on John Jansen's podcast 
this week and said, yeah, like I, I did explore the NFL options and, and I want to win a Super Bowl. That's that's NFL, or football's biggest prize. And, and he felt like he had some unfinished business after losing to his brother in the Super Bowl back in, I think, what, 2013. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, kudos to him for, for being upfront about that and and not apologizing for ex- explaining it. But he also sounds like he's still energized to be the, the head coach of uh, the University of Michigan. Yeah. Jim basically said, I, I apologize or I don't apologize for seeking the job. And I, I don't you know apologize for wanting to go to the NFL or winning a Super Bowl. And he doesn't have to, you know, and, and we talked about this in the past. Jim Harbaugh or anyone in his position, I think, doesn't really owe anything anything to anyone. I mean, he he's a he has a right to an individual and as an employee to, you know, seek uh, other employment elsewhere if he wants to. Yes, he's under contract with Michigan, but that doesn't preclude him from interviewing for NFL jobs. And, and in fact, his last contract and this contract that he just signed here this week, it, you know, it specifically states in there that he can go and interview for other head coaching jobs in the NFL. He's just got to let Michigan know and be transparent about it. And by all accounts, he has been. You know, folks in the athletic department behind the scenes have told me Jim has been above board with pretty much everything he has done as an employee. So there's really no concern there. And, and Jim's right. You know, if he wants to interview for jobs that that's you know he can do that and and he did now you know as a fan or a donor or whatever the case may be you know a university employee you know you have the right to be upset about it you have the right to have your opinion here make you know make your opinion made about it but you know jim you know he stuck to his guns he was you know, he, he felt like, you know, he, as I mentioned earlier, he wants to win a Super Bowl. He still remembers those days in San Francisco. And even said it this week in the interview that, you know, you're five yards short, one play away from winning the Super Bowl. So he, there's still that burning desire in him to win that. I don't know if he'll get another opportunity. I guess time will tell. I mean, he's getting up there in age, so we'll see. But he, you know, he did say that, you know, if he can't go in a Super Bowl, uh, he wants to go in the next best thing. And that's a national championship college football. And Michigan positioned themselves nicely last year. Uh, they'll probably at least be in the conversation this year. We'll see how they do, but you know, he's got something going at Michigan. And one of the big things he made a point of mentioning in the interview and and some folks, you know, had written about it this week or the previous weeks, but he he felt like they didn't really, they haven't really lost momentum as a program. There were some folks that thought, you know, with Jim interviewing and his assistants leading, you know, defensive coordinator, uh, Mike McDonald, offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, they had lost momentum as a program and he doesn't see it that way. You know, when you put things in contact, you know, I guess time will tell with that regard because yes, they did lose, lose two key coordinators, but they haven't lost really anybody in the transfer portal. Crews pretty much stayed on board. Yes, there was one that flipped, you know, but there was, I think the assumption he wasn't going to come here anyway. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he, he, he said he showed up to Schumbuckler Hall last week for workouts and he saw guys, he was impressed with everything he saw. He talked to Ben Herbert, Michigan strength and conditioning coordinator, and he said it was his best week of his professional career from a, from just from a weightlifting and, and player, you know, development standpoint. So all things, you know, momentum he thinks is still there. He's happy with the progress the program has made. He he likes what he's seen so far. And they're ready to get going. I mean, spring practice, you know, I guess this isn't a huge surprise because they started early last year, but they're set to start spring practice Monday. So they're going to get going quickly, get some practice under their belt with a new coaching staff. And, you know, as, as Jim likes to say, roll the balls out and figure out what they got. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the whole momentum thing, I feel like it's tough to gauge that right now because, I mean, they're not on the field. Like, they're not... Right now, it's it's a dead period for recruiting, so it's hard to. It's not like they can do anything with the 2023 class at this moment. So, I mean, we'll find out in, in a couple of months as we get into this and over the summer and, and into next year. I think that's when you really find out where momentum is if, if they can land, go out on the recruiting trail this summer, and, and have 
build some positive momentum there, then you could say, oh, yeah, they didn't really lose much. But at this point, it's hard to tell because there have been so many moving parts in the past couple months. It is crazy to, to think spring practice begins when there's still now a bunch of snow on the ground. But uh, yeah, it, it will be an interesting spring for sure with, with the new coordinators, with the quarterback competition. Uh, anything you're, you're especially looking forward to, Aaron, here over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, real, real quick, going back to the momentum thing, you know, the one, you know, constant about last year and the success Michigan had on the football field, I think, was based in the camaraderie of the coaching staff. It seemed like they had a thing, good thing going there. Yes, they brought on a lot of new assistants last year inject a lot of kind of youth into the coaching staff and new ideas and everything else. But it almost seemed like things were clicking. They had the, almost like the right formula and right combination of guys on the staff and, you know, game plans and the like. So you wonder if the changes are, are going to be a huge impact. You know, the, the nice thing is, I think from Jim's perspective, is he didn't really go outside the box too much with these hires. You know, on the offensive side of the ball, for example, they promoted from within and, and basically paired Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore together, two guys that on staff last year. And then the new defensive coordinator, Jesse Minter, yes, while this is going to be his first year at Michigan, he he kind of comes from the Ravens organization. He knows what Mike McDonald was trying to run. So it, I don't think things are going to change too drastically on the defensive side of the ball. So I think from Jim's perspective, I get where he's coming from. We're going to have to, you're right, we're going to have to see how this all plays out. Um, but it's going to be interesting. Now, as for spring practice, I'm really curious to see how the quarterback shakes out. Jim was asked about it this week in his interview, and he basically said, we're going to play the best players. And I don't think that's really much of a difference in years past. If you've been following Michigan or Jim Harbaugh, he always liked to say this is a meritocracy, the best players win. But at the same token, he left the door open to any possibility with the quarterback situation, as in playing both guys like we saw this year, potentially more of that. But he, he also said, you know, whoever we think is the best guy at the end of the day is going to get to start and play from there. So I'm really curious how that shakes out um, so, so so do you foresee do you think michigan to go into next year and and do a similar two quarterback system as they did last year or do you think you have to kind of give the job to one person or the other at, at this point I do. I think Jim is open to that idea. You've not only last year, but you saw it in years past. You saw it in the years where Shea Patterson was starting, but Michigan or Jim wasn't afraid to throw in Dylan. Dylan, yeah, you know, and that did, it did not work at all. No, and it did, <laughs> and it did work. Um, you know, you can make the case it kind of worked this year with with JJ McCarthy and the way that they kind of changed the game plan when he came in. The thing about last year that was different than maybe in previous years, JJ McCarthy has legitimate capabilities of not only running the football as we saw a lot, but he has that good arm. Dylan and it was tough because you didn't see him throw the ball a ton. When he, when he always came into the game, you always assumed they're going to run the Wildcat or run the football with him because that was kind of his, his strong suit. Whereas J.J. McCarthy's just like that, that different cat that could potentially be that, that game-changing guy. So Cade McNamara is a little bit more one-dimensional You've, you've proven that you can win football games with him. So I would not be surprised if Michigan begins this season, the 2022 season, you know, alternating maybe drives with these guys or, or I guess even more evenly splitting the, the time, the rep, especially in the non-conference. We've seen the schedule for 2022. It's especially the non-conference schedule is relatively weak. So I would not be surprised if that's a good opportunity and, and that gives Michigan's coaching staff kind of a, a shield here to say, hey, we're going to play both guys. We're going to see what they can do. And maybe the best one that comes out of their uh, non-conference portion is the guy, but don't don't be surprised if you see more of what we saw uh, this year or in 2021 and, and just kind of splitting the reps and everything else. Maybe McCarthy ends up being the starter and gets more reps, but there's always the danger. And we've talked about this in, in the past, like transferring. I mean, these guys can transfer on a whim now. They don't have to sit out a year, so they don't have to think twice about going. So if, say, they give the starting job to J.J. McCarthy coming out of fall camp, 
and it irks, you know, Cade McNamara. And, and I get it. You know, like if you're a new student, you'd probably be upset too. You know, you've got to strike that balance of saying, hey, like we haven't, we haven't, you know, lost, we haven't like lost confidence in you. We want you to still play and we're going to do this with you. So it's, it's really going to be fascinating. It almost gives Jim more ammo to do the two quarterback system that he's, you know, he's tested in, in years past. Right. Is Alan Bowman still on the roster? It's funny you asked that because when Jim was doing his interview uh, this week, he, he was at, like I said, he was asked about the quarterback situation and he ran down all the quarterbacks or most of them. He ran down JJ and Cade and Warris, Davis Warren, the walk on. And he mentioned the two incoming freshmen, didn't mention Alan Bowman. So I was curious about that myself. Reached out to Michigan's uh, team spokesman. He confirmed that Alan Bowman is still in the roster. Huh. <laughs> I think that was probably a, an error or foresight on on Jim's part, but yeah, I mean, as of right now, Bowman, you think is the third string guy. Right. Um, and, and, you know, he'll be, I think a fifth year senior. So he, he has experience. We talked about, he started at Texas tech and put up a lot of numbers. Um, but yeah, it, as of now, he's still on the roster. Uh, he, you know, it, he could play a factor, you know, down the line perhaps, but either way, I mean, Michigan's quarterback situation, we talked about it before. It's, it's in good, it's in good hands right now, given the, the talent they have. Right. Back to the two quarterback system. I feel like this year it worked because Cade was the starter and when JJ came in, he brought in different elements. But if JJ wins that starting job, I, I just don't. I don't know if you would bring in a guy with Cade who is so one-dimensional for like that for like that, to throw a little changeup or a little wrinkle in Michigan's offense. Like I, I feel like JJ's the type of quarterback you can do that with. But if he's the best guy, why I don't why disrupt things and, and throw in Cade who who needs to rely on rhythm and his arm and, and making good decisions when he's been cold. I think it, it, it works well if Cade remains the starter, but again, I don't know if that system would would work as well if if JJ kind of goes out goes in front a little bit in the competition and, and seems like the number one guy. I, I agree with you. Yeah, and the more you think about it, the more it makes sense. I just, if you're the Michigan coaching staff and you're Jim Harbaugh and everything else, do you give up on Kay McNamara that quickly? I mean, after like the year he had and, you know, Michigan's 12 win season and winning a Big Ten championship, do you just kind of throw him to the dogs, I guess, and, and say, hey, JJ's our guy. We're going to give him a bulk of the snaps, you know, I, I, and I don't know. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, look, to his credit, he's been very transparent in the past. If they were to go that that route, you'd probably spell that out for Cade. At the same time, as we just talked about, you got to worry about quarterback depth and, and you know, angering someone to, to the point that they're transferring and and say Cade does leave, that leaves JJ. And, and I think the fan base would be happy with him as starter. They'd be fine with that. But if he gets injured, then it's you're, you're down to Alan Bowman and walk on and two, two true freshmen who you don't really know you have at that point so uh, you know jim was big on quarterback depth last year they're happy they had it i think they would prefer to have it again this year and that's that delicate tight rope walk they've got to go with with who they end up naming starter and or giving the most rep and that's going to be the number one storyline all spring and into fall camp because i can probably guarantee you that michigan well, i shouldn't say that but it would not surprise me if michigan comes out of spring practice you know in mid-april and not having a, uh, a defined starter quarterback no, I, I very much agree there. And uh, a little bit, uh, some more interesting tidbits from, from Harbaugh's interview with Chance. And he kind of laid out a little bit how, a little bit more about how the offense and, and the play call and journal work. And it sounds like Matt Weiss, quarterback's coach, who just got elevated to co-coordinate offensive coordinator as well, 
will be calling most of the pass plays, and it sounds like Sharon will be handling the run game. Yeah, that's the assumption here. Um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting because he me- he mentioned Matt with the passing game, um, but he also kind of uh, named him in tandem with a couple other guys. He, he mentioned his own self in there, so I I wonder if the Jim is going to be a little bit more involved with the offense this year than he was perhaps last year. Now I think the assumption was last year that he was the offense was kind of what he wanted and he was helping direct things based on what we saw on the field. But you know you've got first two first-year coordinators, guys that have never called plays before. You know, Sharon's been a, a co-OC before. I think he was up at Central Michigan, but I don't think he was the one calling plays. It's going to be fascinating to see what, what how this how this goes about. I mean, Jim Jim is Nate. We've talked about the, the OC situation in the past. I mean, G, there have been years where Jim has had an OC, but he was still the one calling plays. There were years where he didn't have a defined OC, and he was still the one calling plays. Now, the past couple of years, we've seen Josh Gaddis kind of handle the reins. They had a co-OC situation last year where Josh was still calling plays himself at least all accounts are so i'm really curious to see how it works out um but yeah sharon is going to kind of be involved with the run game but it, again it gets it gets confusing because mike hart was technically named run game coordinator i wouldn't be surprised if mike elson or excuse me um you know tight ends new tight ends coach grant newsom is involved there so there's gonna be a lot of cooks in the kitchen here with the offense possibly and, too many <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, there's just, and, there were, and there were a lot last year too they made it work but you know you've got some different faces and new faces so it's it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting to watch for sure for sure and i guess the last thing uh, uh, on a related note to that is it's harbaugh did say he was a little bit caught off guard by gaddis's departure too so i mean he might have been i i still wasn't too surprised we were kind of I've talked about this before that it looked like the writing was on the wall for Gaddis for a, a few years now. So yeah, he has since departed to Miami and Michigan will look to retool and rework its offense with a, a bunch of different guys as we just detailed. So anything else football related before we talk about basketball a little bit, Aaron? No, not a ton. Not. We mentioned spring practice starts Monday. The, the gym said they're going to practice Monday, Wednesday, Friday in Ann Arbor. Then they take the following week off because it's spring break for U of M. And then they come back the following Monday. I think that's March 7th or something like that spring game has been set for april 2nd no time yet assuming it's going to be at michigan stadium you know assuming the weather is fine um, and it looks Jim, like we might be able to be there this time yeah it sounds like they're going to open it to the public you know that wasn't the case last year with, with covid 19 and the pandemic it was open to kind of i think parents and, and families of, of players and staff so it was very limited who could, who could go in I, I know we couldn't the format sounds pretty similar you know they're going to split the teams up they're actually going to have a player draft which i think they've done in the past jim has already said that he's designated Needed coaches for the spring game. One side's gonna be Steve Klinkscale, the other side will be Sharon Moore. And they're gonna pair it, kind of split up the staff. And, and he's kind of Jim is kind of gonna act as like commissioner or whatever. So he's kind of gonna hands-off approach, let them go at it and see what comes of that. I thought I actually thought he had some interesting comments regarding the spring game. He he says that he likes to pay attention to the the player draft and which players the coaches kind of value and think are the you know the best quarterback or the best center or the best you know secondary players. He says it's very eye-opening for him as a head coach. So um that I look look, I don't I don't know if they'll reveal the results in the player draft, but I certainly think we can, we'll can. we be able to glean quite a bit from that, the game itself, and kind of how they play guys and the like, you know, based on what they can go into uh, the summer. Yep, yes, can't wait. Can't wait. The nice weather hopefully is right around the corner. But right now, 
Let's talk a little bit of hoops. Big, 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 big win for Michigan men's basketball last night, 84 to 79 over Iowa on the road, kind of keeping their throws, uh, NCAA tournament hopes alive. And they got uh, some big time contributions from, from a freshman. I mean, Musa Diabate with a career performance, 28 points, 12 of 15 from the floor, eight rebounds. And he was, he was basically the difference. He was the reason why they won one last night's game. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, it was. Uh, we talked about it earlier this week. You know, Andrew was there. I think we have content up at mlive.com slash Wolverines. Uh, it's one of the reasons why he's not on today. I think he's traveling back from Iowa. But it was it was a, it was a good win for them. They needed a victory like that. We talked about earlier this week. Them kind of at least needing to win one of these two next these road games coming up. They've got Wisconsin on on Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Yeah, so and this is a good start. You know, we, we've talked about how inconsistently inconsistent they've been. You know, it, it almost seems like they're starting to put it together. Not easy to win on the road, especially in the Big Ten. And the fact that they're able to kind of weather storms and, and get that big lead there in, there in the uh, second half that they almost blew. Um, but to their credit, you know, they held on. I got a good win. Diabate, like you said, he was fantastic. You know, we, we've seen kind of bright spots from him all season long here and there. In reading some of the content afterwards, you know, he kind of blamed himself for the loss against Ohio State. So, it, you know, I think he almost feels like he redeemed himself a bit there. Uh, another good game from Hunter Dickinson, almost had the double-double. Devontae Jones played really well. I, I didn't realize he had 10 rebounds and looking at the stat sheet afterward, but he was, you know, was very effective. 11 points, he had four steals. He's kind of starting to come into his own. I, I think this is a real good opportunity for Michigan here. We talked about how important this stretch is and how vital it is they get some of these wins and the fact that they can learn to win on the road against some some decent competition in the Big Ten you know we talked about it before coming on but you know Iowa's net rating is is really high so it's this is going to be viewed as you know a good win for them once you know the tournament selection committee time comes I feel like we were just saying though after the Purdue win that they were starting to turn a corner and then they come back with kind of a a clink a a stinker against uh, Ohio State so uh, we'll see if they can keep it going against Wisconsin a, a ranked team who who's really solid at home so we'll we'll see if they can pick up a pick up another key win on the road lastly a little bit of hockey uh yeah, all four Michigan Olympians will be returning home without a, a medal. Disappointing end to Canada and USA's tournament runs, both losing in the quarterfinals. Uh, Maddie Beneers and Brendan Brisson, um, both sophomore forwards for the Wolverines, lost with, with Team USA 3-2 to two in a shootout to Slovakia. Blew a 2-1 to one lead in the last final minute and then didn't score at all in five opportunities in the shootout. Strauss Mann, a former Wolverine, only allowed one goal in the shootout, played pretty well, allowed two goals during regulation. But yeah, I mean, after going 3-0 and in preliminary play and losing in the quarterfinals, not not a great finish for, for the Americans. And, and same with the Canadians. They were shut out 2 to nothing against Sweden. Owen Power and Ken Johnson, both on Team Canada squad. Ken Johnson finished second on the team with five points, and he wasn't even, and he was listed as an alternate to begin the tournament before they had some COVID issues and he got elevated to the to the roster. So originally, the plan was for for these guys to miss this weekend series against Ohio State because assuming they would at least be playing in the the gold medal or the the bronze medal match or games, but. It there I I don't I haven't heard from from Michigan yet if they will be available for this weekend but they are back in time that would be a huge lift for for the team against the Ohio State team that's ranked top fifteen in the country and who's still alive in the in the Big Ten standing so we'll Maybe see on take out some of their frustration too if they're back in time yeah yeah no yeah that's I'm sure I they will probably be pretty tired because they've been on the ice a lot here over the last few weeks it would be a quick turnaround after they just played I think Tuesday and Wednesday Easter 
Eastern time. I don't know what, what exact time or day or days it was in, in China, but yeah, well, that'll be something to watch this weekend and we'll have coverage at MLive.com um, throughout the weekend as well. Anything cool. else, Aaron, before we wrap this episode up? No, that's it. I'm uh, looking forward to a good weekend of basketball. You said the hockey team's in, in action. Football starts next week, you know, short off season as it tends to be with, uh, with Michigan football. Yes, 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 yes. So we'll be back with you again next week and have a good weekend, everyone. Mm-hmm.